Welcome to Best Way to Divorce live stream, making peace our weapon of choice. And my guests today are Robert Glasser, a Newport divorce attorney, all the way from the United States. We have Amy Langford, who's a UK family lawyer, and a shared story from Shelley Ann Salisbury of the Mediation Pod, which is based in the UK. And we'll have a, a healing with Debbie Teller later, finish off with. And our new stories today will include uh, Johnny Depp, domestic abuse and Nigerian divorce, Spielberg, sharing a lawyer, and the ex-wife of Phil Collins, in which her divorce papers ending her current marriage accuse her of threatening to cut off her husband's private. So we'll, we'll be talking about that a little bit later. But first, let's have a have our first guest on, who is Robert Glasser, our Newport divorce attorney. Hello, Robert. Welcome. So, Hi. Hi, Susie. Thanks for having me on. And you position, yeah, great. Position yourself so we can see you nice and clearly. And um, we were having a little chat before the show, and I'm really looking forward to hearing you were, we were talking about how, and I'm sure this happens a lot, it certainly happens a lot to mediators in the UK, when you've got one person who is up for it and the other spouse is just not going to play ball. And you were going to uh, share some wisdom on how to deal with those situations. Because you're not just, if you can explain to people, you're not just a mediator, are you? You're an attorney as well and a collaborative lawyer. That is correct. The situation is not uncommon that one spouse seeks a peaceful way uh, to process the dissolution of their marriage, but the other spouse is adamantly opposed. It could be for a number of reasons. The first of which is anything she or he wants can't be any good for me, therefore, no. Okay, somewhat emo emotionally based uh, uh, reaction. Another is I'm used to getting my way in this uh, marriage. I'm not about to give up my control or power in something like a mediation because mediation is a process whereby the parties themselves, the spouses themselves, come to decide their outcomes. They create the results. So in talking with a prospective mediation client who has identified the unlikelihood or who after checking has clarified the unlikelihood of the other spouse being willing, then the process is for the mediator to become an advocate for mediation is what I term it. What is possibly going to motivate a reluctant spouse to become a participant in a mediation? For example, sometimes it's as simple as, I don't want the children to have to go through any more of the upset than is necessary to get this done, regardless of the ages of the children. That is a common, common ground for mediating couples. But it may also be, I want to save money. I know that um, I'm going to have to pay a lot of money if we both have attorneys and have to go to court. And I don't want to take our children's college education funds uh, to do that, or I just don't want to see it go to an attorney anyway. 
especially men when they find out that it may be that their responsibility is to pay most of the divorce costs because they're the ones earning the money and they'll save a lot by having a peaceful process and that could motivate someone to at least come to a first session now one of the things that's important for a mediating couple to realize is that the mediator is not a referee is not an arbitrator and this now gets into what is the role of the mediator after advocating by way of figuring out what might motivate the reluctant spouse the role changes to a neutral guide in a process designed to empower with information education and guided conversations about what will work for each of the spouses and their family going forward and what will work is defined as what each can live with and will be satisfactory under the circumstances now what does that mean well for example People typically will be at odds over spousal support, alimony, it's called in other states. One wants as much as they can get, the other wants to pay as little as possible. Understandable. Opening positions, Queen's Gambit, bad analogy. In any case, rather than this being an arm wrestle, a tug of war mediation seeks to find out what is there in California there is required to be full financial disclosure between the spouses during the course of the process in court and therefore in mediation we require the same thing why should mediation be any less of a quality process with a result that is even better than court because the people have made the results themselves and therefore understand what they're doing understand how it's going to work and make it work so they don't have to repeat back to court for modifications because they can't they didn't learn how to speak with each other okay so bob, bob so, can i just ask just ask because i think it's an important point when you're starting off with someone who is has a spouse who is very reticent about mediation and you're giving some fantastic reasons wh why it would be to their advantage if it's not the best person to explain that to them isn't the person who is who they're divorcing so is it a no. case of you managing to get on get on the phone to have that discussion is that the kind of the key first step as it were well typically typically what i do is um do a letter. Um, it depends a little bit on the circumstances. For example, let's suppose one person comes in and it, it, it's not always wives. It's sometimes husbands. There are stay home husbands, just like there are stay at home wives. But, and regardless of that, one has a different approach than the other for various reasons. 
the cause of the divorce, for example, could excite emotions that make one person feel reluctant or, on the other hand, feel now is the time for peace. We've had enough fighting. But in any case, after finding out what it is that the willing spouse thinks the reluctant spouse's basis for reluctance is, then a plan or strategy, an advocacy for mediation can be put into effect. It might involve the, uh, an effort on the one part, uh, the willing spouse to educate the other spouse, to alert the other spouse that this is what they would like to do. They would like them, they beg them, whatever they have to do to at least inquire and speak to someone who they've contacted. Now, oftentimes this works out that, well, if you've contacted Mr. Glasser and his mediating people, then there's no way I'm going to mediate with them. Fine. There's other quality mediators. And the key here is getting to mediation to a good mediator. If I can help that happen, I'm happy. That's fantastic. In, yeah. And, and then, of course, I can always be available to review the agreement before it's finally signed. And that's important for people who are considering mediation to understand before they do their finished product, they're each entitled to independent consultation with outside counsel. Make sure they've got everything covered. Make sure they understand everything that they're doing just to double check. Yeah, the same in the UK, you want to the final agreement. It's good to have that. That's when it's important to have perhaps a little bit of independent legal advice. And of course, if you haven't mediated for a couple, then you can put your attorney hat on, can't you? And 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 take that role. Is that right? No, I, that that's a good point. In the explanation at the orientation's first session, it's important that the couple understand the role of the mediator. I said earlier, not arbitrator or referee, mm. not decision maker for them, but help them to make good decisions, ones that will work for them going forward. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, instead of going to the uh, computer program that would recommend what support might be, uh, someone will like that, someone might not like that. Let's go to, what are your needs? What is your budget? What did you folks spend while you were married up until a, so, a point in time that you're, you're separated, if you are? What are the children's expenses? How are you gonna provide for both each of you and your children if there are children? That's the approach we take. And there are certain kinds of things also that are, are easier to deal with with some couples. And so we try to do uh, what's easier first. Mm -hmm. For example, as I said, support may be a difficult one. And so we might do that last. More typically easy in, in California is dividing community property. Most people know that community property is divided 50-50. So we just identify what that is and how is the best way, tax and otherwise, mm -hmm. to divide it up. So there really, there really is no need to, you know, with all of those things in place, it, it, it really is no need to turn it into a fight because they're just going to waste money. And uh, thank you very much. We're gonna, I'm gonna have to move on now. Um, I'd love to get you back another time, also particularly to talk about collaborative uh, practice, which I think a lot of people still don't very even fun. know that it, it exists. Thank you so thank much, you Robert. Soon. See you thank soon. You. Bye. 
It's going to whiz you through uh, the news summary. We've got quite a few things here. We've got the um, Nigerian Tribune, I want to start with. On Friday, the April the 8th, a prominent gospel singer, uh, excuse the pronunciation in advance, Osinahi Nakutu, allegedly died as a result of complications from domestic violence. And while the cause of death is yet to be verified by the Nigerian police, the information provided by the deceased sister and children indicates that the singer may have been subjected to physical physical and verbal abuse by her husband. So as word of the, her death spread, many individuals took to social media to air their views on the matter. While some apportioned blame, others maintained that the late singer, and don't shoot the messenger on this one, late singer did well by remaining in her marriage despite all odds, claiming that she fought a good fight and suffered as a Christian wife ought to. So there's some other views on this coming up, don't worry. Uh, in the case of Osinaki, her sister reportedly revealed that she remained in the marriage because God hates divorce and that she did not want people to see her and curse God. She added that her sister also did not want to be regarded as a failure. And I think that's one that we can all um, align with. The question many Nigerians have been asking, especially Christians, is whether religious doctrines should be insisted on even in the face of death. I know what most of you would think about that, but everyone has their opinion. So the article goes on to say Christians who frown on divorce need to know that domestic violence is anti-gospel and anti-Christ. Speaking from the Islamic perspective, a lecturer at the Department of English and chief Ayman of the University of Abuja told Sunday Tribune divorce is something that Allah hates. So it is not encouraged, but he allows it when it becomes inevitable, when the marriage becomes abusive or life threatening. So the message here in a way is that uh, in Nigeria, at least there are definitely some members of the Christian and Islamic faiths that don't think you should risk death just trying to stay married. Uh, so hopefully all of those of you in the rest of the world in an abusive relationship who might be listening to this right now, whether you are bound by a religious faith or not, if you're in danger, please get out of the marriage. Um, do it carefully though because obviously it is that transition that's often the most dangerous time. Uh, the article goes on to say, uh, to surround this one off, is it is, on it is only the living that serves God. None of the parties is under the obligation to continue living as husband or wife in the presence of domestic violence. God hates divorce but not the divorcee. MSN, let's see what they've got for us. Sorry, I should have given you that bit earlier. I'm moving on too fast right now. So, oh yes, MSM, we've got Kim Bassinger. She shared her struggles with ex-husband Alec Baldwin in a very rare Red Table Talk interview. The LA Confidential Actress 68 appeared on the show with Daughter Ireland 26 and discussed her heavy duty, very out loud divorce from Alec 64 who she was married to from 1993 until 2002. The star made it clear that she and Alec didn't always see eye to eye and that he's a challenge. The couple separated in 2000, uh, this, yeah, in the year 2000 and divorced in 2002. Their split was followed by a bitter custody battle over their daughter who was born in 1995. Listen to this. After years of accusations, over $3 million in legal fees and an infamous voicemail in which he called his daughter a rude little pig. Oh, I've called my children far worse than that. The court finally decided to award them joint custody of their daughter, Ireland. So $3 million 
just to get a judge to say 50-50. I can give you access, if you're listening, to a complimentary subscription to We Parent Co-Parenting Diary. Uh, The the sooner you learn how to work together and not rely on lawyers to do it and judges to do it for you, the better. Uh, Baldwin has since remarried yoga instructor, instructor Hilaria Thomas, 38, with whom he's currently expecting his eighth child. So please, please make sure you have a prenup and include a co-parenting plan in the prenup. Uh, Don't just think about the money, think about what happens if we split to the children. Wouldn't it be great if people prepared that in advance so that they didn't have to spend three million dollars arguing over it afterwards? Now, we have here, uh, divorcing couples are using the same lawyer in the UK now to avoid conflict and costs. It's still uh, still fairly new here. And my question is, really, is it, but is it really solving the fundamental problem? I, I think it's definitely heading in the right direction. Though. The word divorce conjures up images of warring couples ringing up their rival lawyers, says the article, who then sit across from each other at a table, snarling and playing hardball about every penny. Um, actually, I believe they send very expensive letters mostly, and if they did actually sit down more often and talk to each other like they do in the collaborative process, then we wouldn't have such a problem. So the divorce surgery are based in London and this has been so popular since its launch in 2018 that big law firms are beginning to offer the same service so that they don't lose clients. The idea is that divorcing couples have traditionally had to either work out finances, says the article, and childcare calmly between them but without proper legal advice or they've had to each appoint separate solicitors and then find themselves at the heart of a very pricey conflict-filled process. So, as usual, the media misrepresents the options completely. So just because you do things calmly, using mediators, for example, it doesn't mean you can't get some independent legal advice, as Bob was saying earlier. In in, Just the same as here in in the States, you can still talk to a lawyer, even if you're using dispute resolution. So, in fact, most mediators would encourage that at, at relevant points in the process. So, in Italy, the Netherlands and Belgium, among others, separating couples are able to use one lawyer to advise them. Only when they cannot agree are they then referred to separate lawyers. In England, this is still a novel idea. In some ways, it might sound too good to be true, says the article, that a couple breaking up might be able to calmly take advice from the same lawyer. However, the one couple, one lawyer approach doesn't ask for serenity. They don't have to be getting on at all, says Woodham, who, along with Gates, has 30 years of experience in family law. People imagine that we might be dealing with the Gwyneth Paltrow's of the world who talk about conscious uncoupling, but that's not the reality at all. And certainly that's been my experience as well. Um, You don't have to be best friends to use dispute resolution either. So when it comes to the legal process, a judge is interested in what is fair financially for the family as a whole. And if there are children, what is in their best interest? So Woodham and Gates look at how a judge would see their case and advise the couple on that. Now, Woodham believes going to court has become too normalised. We need to make it embarrassing to end up in court, she says. In any other walk of life, it would be embarrassing to automatically end up in court over an issue with your landlord or your boss. You try and figure it out first and court would tend to be a last resort. Um, so I I contacted the divorce surgery through their website and just thought I wanted to get some guideline prices because uh, they do set price um, packages as it were. I got a very quick response, it's very uh, in the chat box, very impressive, very professional. And the message said, I'm unable to give you a quote on these services as the fee would be dependent on your individual circumstances. Um, 
absolutely fair enough. And the seniority of the barrister you would require. Um, I wouldn't have thought you'd necessarily... It's interesting that the use of a barrister is immediately brought into the mix there. It said, however, if it is helpful for you to know, our average fees tend to be around five to seven and a half thousand plus VAT per person for the financial advice service. And the order drafting fee tends to be around one to two thousand plus VAT per person. I know for some of you, you'll think, oh, my God, that's so much money. But trust me, so much less than uh, battling it out in court. Uh, my only comment on that, though, as a divorce strategist is, that very few people need a barrister for legal advice. Um, usually a, a good solicitor will, in a sometimes in a single session, will be able to give them what they need. Uh, for most people, the legal aspects are pretty basic, so um, you shouldn't really use a barrister unless you genuinely need one. There's not much law in family law. It's mostly children and finances. And, and you certainly don't necessarily need a, a barrister normally for the financials. Um, I can probably save you a packet on the financial services aspect because obviously my strategies, we, uh, I tend to encourage people to work with financial experts uh, rather than lawyers and barristers to work out the, the financial side. And also if it's a very straightforward divorce, you can save a bit on the consent order as well. But, but definitely compared to separate lawyers and getting it all out of hand, it's definitely a step in the right direction. But come and chat to me first if you want to use that service to its best advantage or just massively reduce your need for a lawyer at all. Um, but I'm, I'm yeah, very supportive of what they're doing and I think it's definitely a great step in the right direction. And we'll hear a little bit more about that. I've got a family lawyer on uh, later. Amy and Amy's, I believe, going to give her thoughts on this form, new sort of off service that's on offer. Um, we're back with Depp versus Heard libel trial updates. Catch up on what has happened the court in the court so far. You can it says on Sky News, and you can watch it all on live stream too. It's I've tried. It's not very exciting. Johnny Depp is suing his ex-wife Amber Heard for libel in the U.S. state of Virginia over a domestic abuse column she wrote for the Washington Post, even though it didn't mention him. Heard is countersuing for $100 million. So after losing the original case, the actor said he was forced to stand down from the Harry Potter spin-off Fantastic Beasts 3. So I just wanted to bring this one back in again. Uh, we, we've dropped, dropped in on this story over, over a period of time because they've already completed the divorce and the financial aspects. It should all be over, but they're still publicly destroying each other's reputation. So this is a fine example of how the emotional baggage of divorce does not end with a marriage being legally completed. Spielberg. I like this one. Steven Spielberg. He said that E.T. was inspired by his parents' divorce. So the director discussed his parents splitting in 1966 while he was in high school. Spielberg told the audience at the Turner Classic Movies Film Festival that thinking about the event had made him question the final scene of his 1977 UFO film Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He thought, what if that little creature never went back to the ship, he said. What if I turn my story about a divorce into a story about children, a family trying to fill the great need and creating such responsibility? Spielberg continued, a divorce creates great responsibility, especially if you have siblings. We all take care of each other. What if Elliot, or the kid, I, he said I hadn't dreamt up his name yet, needed to, for the first time in his life, become responsible for a life form to fill the gap in his heart? He said, I'd been working on an actual literal script about my parents' separation and divorce, and I had been working on ideas about that. And what it did 
to my sisters and myself. I like that story. I think it's a reminder that children and young, young adults are affected by their parents' divorce and can even be affected enough to want to write a movie about it. So you better hope that your children don't do that. Now, I'm going to, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to have an interview first, but I'm then going to come back and just have a little bit of a rant about Phil Collins, um, ex, his ex who married a male escort. Not not because of that, but because of what else has then gone on to happen. But for, for now, we're going to be, I'm going to be bringing in Amy, who's just coming in uh, right now. And she's going to come on in and, and Amy's going to talk to us a bit about the, um, uh, Hopefully she'll come in in a sec. And um, she's going to talk to us about the about the one lawyer divorce and um, and also you know, the, what it's like being a, a family lawyer in the current system when you really do actually want to keep people out of uh, out of court. And that can be quite a conflict sometimes. Thank you, Susie. It's lovely to be here this evening. And I just want to touch on the new no-fault divorce, um, which has come into effect um, in England, um, which is a big change to our divorce. And in particular, um, it allows for one lawyer to act for both parties, which in my view is going to reduce costs um, for, for, for everybody. Um, hopefully more amicable settlements in relation to the finances and also children. Less litigation um, is the, the aim for all of this. The only downside that I can see is if there is a conflict as a lawyer, being able to advise both parties on their best interests when there is a conflict between them. So some law firms have taken the approach that they're not going to act for both and still acting for one party, but it is a huge change and it's positive. I also just want to touch um, briefly on the challenges at the minute that clients are facing in, in relation to the family courts. There's huge delays at the minute, which is obviously in turn not helping clients, especially emotional ones that are, are just wanting to move on. And it's ensuring as a lawyer that we're able to manage um, the client's expectations and making sure that they've got the right lawyer um, for their case as well. That's really important. I also think from the court's point of view, I think there should be more encouragement of alternate dispute resolution, um, for example, mediation and collaborative work and working with, with, with divorce coaches in order to keep costs down. And it's it's really important that the the aggression is, is, is taken out and less litigation if, if possible. But it is a, a, a challenge at the minute for for the courts and for clients. Yeah. So, oh, thank you so much, Amy. I was just fiddling around trying to find my, my mouse at that moment, so hence the uncomfortable silence. Thank you so much uh, for that little update. And, and it'll be great to get you back uh, at another time when we can have a, perhaps a proper chat um, once we get the technology sorted. So I'm going to dive now into a shared story. This was pre-recorded, again, because of... Uh, the joys of technology, um, the we couldn't do it live, so I pre-recorded it. But this is um, with a, a, a mediator who also works in the area of not just family law, but also in the workplace. And we had a quite interesting chat, so let's see what you think about this. 
Hi, Shelly-Ann, and you're going to give us a little intro about what you do. You're a mediator, but you don't just do one type of mediation, do you? No. Hi, Susie. Thank you for having me on your amazing show. Um, I am a mediator, and I do uh, different types of mediation. But one of the areas I particularly mediate in is workplace mediation. And as you will appreciate in your line of work, uh, there can be all sorts of factors that are involved that cause conflict within a workplace, including divorce, separation, cohabitation that goes wrong, um, ch uh, ch child issues, all those things uh, are factored in. So the home life very much plays in work, the work life, which isn't surprising, is it? Not at all. And in fact, that's what I wanted to start with, was with work, the workplace. So we all know of people who go through divorce in the workplace. We all know that it causes a problem, but it's not something that most HR departments actively um, try to mitigate. Perhaps sometimes they just feel that it's nothing to do with them. Have you got some stories you can share yeah. on that? So actually, I had a mediation which was about three months ago, a fairly recent one, where there were two managers uh, who weren't getting on at all, uh, two female managers, and it was causing massive amounts of problems within this organization because they were at such a high level of management. And they had to work together on a daily basis. They had to report to each other. Um, and they, when I say report to each other, they had to have uh, conversations about what was going on in their own departments uh, with an overview and so they made sure that they worked in tandem because the staff were very much led by both of them. It's an unusual situation. But uh, in about six months running up to this, uh, there had been a lot of conflict and it got so bad. Um, one person was saying it was because of A and, that, and the other one was saying it was because of B, a sit different situation. So it, it was very much perspective uh, thing which conflict is also about but when I got to talk to them and got under the basic issues that cropped up it was obviously about status and connectedness and certainty and autonomy all those scarf drivers that that drive a conflict um, but it seemed to me there was something more going on with one of them where there was a visceral reaction against the other one. Anyway, after a lot of discussion um, and, and underlying discussions about what else might be causing a problem, and this, this is very careful forensic work that mediators sometimes have to do uh, in private session, um, it was apparent to me that one of them was clearly going through an emotional crisis, and that crisis was uh, a divorce. Uh, and they were not open about it. They were very cagey about it. They were almost ashamed about it to talk in a workplace context about their private life. And I had to explain to them that this is very important to bring forward as, as part of the discussion because it was impacting on their work life. And it seemed that the other person had a very um, straightforward marriage, everything was fine, you know, 2.5 kids, everything was okay. But when we got talking about it more and more and the divorce situation was being discussed, when I brought her into the open session and I asked her, it, was she prepared to, to um, 
discussed that things weren't going so well in her personal life and they might be impacting. It was very interesting because the other one suddenly came up, well, well, things aren't so good in my marriage either. So the conversation moved from the workplace issues to actually more personal home issues. And once they both saw that each other understood and were empathetic and, and really had an understanding of what each were going through, things changed, there was a sea change and there was a good understanding. And suddenly there was no judging or perceived judging by the, by, by the other one. So the one going through the divorce felt she, she would have been judged. The other one was clearly not judging, but also prepared to say that she was having some issues. And suddenly they were on level playing fields and that made a huge difference. That's a great example of, of these hidden stories that are always going on. And of course, divorce, family issues, co-parenting issues. These are very private things for many people. And that's within the, the workplace itself. Have you come across any uh, or have you any views on how HR departments should be dealing with these uh, kind of things in, in a preventative way and how mediation can play a role in that? Yeah, I think it's very difficult for HR heads to um, delve into the personal life of, of their employees, managers or um, any, any level of employees because it's not really their their role um, as, as HR um, in in a sort of in a, in a company situation, but I don't think necessarily they they should do it. But I think it's very important to bring in someone like a mediator, um, just to have those conversations with the staff to see what is going on and what might what what might be able to be talked through in a very private, confidential, safe space. Um, that then allows them to just talk through issues that need to be you know, just brought out and they can be heard and feel like they've been understood. And then the mediator can help them negotiate and navigate their way forward in the workplace. So this isn't therapy and this isn't coaching. It's something slightly different. It's, um, it's bringing out something very personal that could impact quite badly on the, on the workplace. And if you catch it early enough and allow somebody to have that um, space to just discuss these things, it's amazing how it can prevent a really big issue occurring. Thanks for that interview. Uh, I think it's so important that we do more to help people in the workplace um, because it it's going to help the companies as well as the people involved. So I wanted just to have my uh, little bit of um, a rant here and talk about the Daily Mail exclusive. Phil Collins' ex married a male escort and leased him a $340,000 Aston Martin with 007 license plates, but then threatened to cut off his privates when he asked to retrieve his clothes, divorce papers claim. So... Uh, be glad in the UK that we, you don't have to have fault-based divorce now uh, and 
throw all these kinds of things at people. So Phil Collins' ex-wife, Oriana, picked her toy boy husband from a male escort site where he advertised himself as a sexy intellectual with degrees in philosophy and political science. The DailyMail.com can exclusively reveal. So, well, good for her. Uh, it's, what, it's what it descended into that is such a shame, not how they met. Maybe uh, maybe these sites, especially actual dating sites, not just escort sites, should offer a pre-marriage advice in case any weddings should result and they could maybe offer a discount on prenups prenups uh, on postnups if people don't get around to it in time so she insisted on dating apparently tom bates and talked him into moving into the rock stars 40 million dollar miami beach mansion i'm sure she didn't have to persuade him that hard um, after they secretly wed and while the pop legend was away court papers disclose before things turned sour the papers claim oriana promised bates half of her planned 50% cut from the sale of Collins' spe spectacular oceanfront home, once owned by Jennifer Lopez. The astonishing allegations are in Oriana's divorce petition against the former tribute band guitarist in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, filed just 15 months after their secret wedding at an Elvis-themed chapel in Las Vegas in August 2020. So what did she forget to do first, everyone? Prenup or at least there's certainly no mention of one. So Collins was blindsided when he learned his ex had remarried and installed Bates at his house while he wasn't there. Um, so this is a good example of unfinished business. So once again, the divorce is over, but their agreement on the assets appears still needs to be fully uh, ratified, agreed on, made legally binding, and then also actioned. So a divorce strategy needs to consider beyond the actual consent or financial order as well because there's plenty of room um, as as the herd uh, uh, and uh, Depp have, have proved there's plenty of room for conflict even after the financial agreement is done and dusted. So Oriana who met Collins as a 22 year old when she worked as his translator had codes to the electronic locks changed and employed pistol toting ex-military guards turning the gated home into a fortress for the newlyweds. Collins stayed at his pad in Switzerland while he launched a successful legal bid to turf them out, eventually selling the house containing his priceless pop memorabilia for $40 million. Oriana is still fighting for half the proceeds. So it looks like they divorced but didn't get all the finances agreed upon, or if they did, because of her behaviour, maybe it's thrown a spanner in the works. But either way, it's a mess. So Bates' legal team revealed how they first got together in his latest answers to Oriana's divorce petition. Bates claims he received the alleged threat to slice off his genitals after returning to the Fort Lauderdale home from spending Thanksgiving last year with his parents at their home in nearby Lighthouse Point. He arrived to find Oriana had secretly removed his clothes and other possessions and he asked for them back. It says, wife who has a ferocious temper threatened husband with bodily harm by cutting off his private parts when he asked for his clothes and personal property said his filing. The wife, who has earned a third-degree black belt designation and is trained in boxing, previously physically assaulted husband on several occasions prior to separation. On one occasion, husband had to scream for the housekeeper to help him exit the house to avoid wife's assault. Oriana's legal team focused more on the car. The husband manoeuvred, it said, says, to secure a lease on an Aston Martin for which maintenance, lease and other related expenses exceed $6,500 per month. 
previously in this very short-term marriage, the husband was driving a Mazda. However, he now wishes to be part of the rich and famous and drives this car around. They allege the car has no insurance and add it is essential this car needs to be turned in immediately. Six and a half thousand dollars plus per month for a car lease is insane. This car needs to go. But interestingly, Circuit Judge Natasha De Primo later denied the request to stop Bates driving the car, probably because he's soon to be ex as a couple of Bentleys. So this couple will struggle to use amicable divorce online apps or any form of, uh, um, of uh, perhaps even a single lawyer solution if they were even had that available to them in, in, the, in the States. But what that doesn't mean is that they can't access dispute resolution to save themselves thousands in legal fees and a whole lot of emotional stress. So as I explained in my TEDx in 2019, peace is not fluffy. In my work with clients, when we create a, a divorce strategy that deals with the emotional, physical, financial, legal, administrative and parenting aspects, that's how you make sure people are clear on the best way to divorce. So this is a good example of how a previous divorce can spill over into the next one if you don't get the finances sorted. And why is it that rich and famous people seem to just not have enough sense to use dispute resolution? Answers in the comments, please. A very brief uh, whiz through now to um, just a reminder, uh, We, although we've had the most recent workshop uh, for Californians having a difficult divorce or d divorcing a difficult spouse, you can access the recording of that uh, through a ticket if you go to the website. And there's also the UK one too, which um, has got a great recording, lots of fantastic information, and you don't have to wait for the workshop. You can go straight into it. And they both include complimentary sessions with the key experts that you'll see in the workshops. And I now have, unfortunately, she couldn't be with us live uh, today, but uh, Debbie, uh, luckily I have a recording of her, so she's going to be giving us a calming experience to end the show with today. All right, everyone, good evening. Let us put a circle of protective light around us and ask that everything we do will be for the greatest and the highest good. And we're now going to put ourselves under a shower of universal love and light so that we can be cleaned both inside and out. We're going to bring a shaft of white light through the top chakra in our heads down through the body so that we can enliven each chakra so that it can respond by becoming a truer color and is spinning smoothly around its spindle. So we take the light down through the top chakra, which is violet or purple. This is the chakra that sits on the crown of your head and it represents our ability to be fully connected spiritually. It governs our connection to the divine. There's a mantra for this chakra, which is, I am a vessel for light and love. Just try saying it to yourself as you revive that top chakra and get that purple light spinning evenly around its axis. Now we take the shaft down to the next chakra, which is the third eye chakra. It is dark blue and it, it controls our intuition imagination and wisdom is about our sense of purpose and direction in life its mantra is i am open to exploring what cannot be seen 
Try saying it to yourself while you visualize the beautiful deep blue light spinning smoothly around its axis. And we take the shaft of light down to the next chakra, which is the throat chakra, which is light blue. It gives voice to the heart chakra and controls our ability to communicate our personal power. And it helps us to express ourselves truly and clearly. It's the chakra for bringing peace into your life. So if you're feeling less than peaceful, you can always try reviving this chakra and taking its light blue light up the axis and down the axis to all the other chakras. And the mantra for this chakra is, I speak my truth always. See it pure and spinning clear and true. Now we take the shaft of light down to the next chakra, the heart chakra, which is green. A beautiful, deep green, even colored throughout. It's a chakra which is the bridge between the lower ones, which are associated with material, and the upper chakras, which are more to do with spirituality. It's about love, relationships, and self-acceptance. So it influences our ability to give and receive love from others and ourselves, and our ability to be open to the people in our lives, and to experience deep compassion and sympathy. It controls joy and inner peace. Visualize it spinning smoothly, a lovely deep green. The mantra for this one is, when I love myself, loving others comes easily. Say it to yourself as you see this chakra spinning. The next chakra is the solar plexus chakra, your powerhouse, and it's yellow. It controls your sense of self-worth, self-confidence and self-esteem, and has to do with personal power. See it clear and positive and bright and spinning around its axis. This is the chakra from which you make connection to others. So when you find that someone's eating your energy, leaving you drained, what we mostly do quite reflexively is to cross our arms over this chakra. And that protects it and it stops the connection between you and the other person. So if you catch yourself doing this as a reflex, ask yourself why. Is this person draining you? Or actually, would you like a connection with that person? So see it clear and positive, a bright, bright yellow gold. And the mantra for this chakra is, self-love starts when I accept all parts of myself and it allows one the freedom to express one's true self. Moving further down to the next chakra is the uh, orange chakra. And that is called the sacral chakra. This one helps inform how we relate to our emotions and other people's emotions and help us feel in control of our lives. This is a pure orange. Just make sure, no dark flecks, pure, deep, orange and see it spinning around its axis. It governs creativity and sexuality and our feelings of pleasure. Its mantra is, I always honor others, but not before myself. 
Visualize it growing orange while saying that, spinning smoothly around its shaft of white light. And now we go down to the root chakra, the base chakra, which is rich, pure red, which is at the base of the spine. And this controls survival issues like financial independence, money, food. It represents our foundations and a sense of being grounded. And when it's open, it helps us to feel confident in our ability to withstand challenges and stand on our own two feet and gives us a sense of belonging. And it's blocked. We feel threatened, as if we're standing on unstable ground. So visualize this red light spinning smoothly, pure, clear red. And the mantra for this chakra is, I can grow best from a steady foundation. Right, so we're going to draw this shaft of white light right the way down through our chakras and let it start pooling around our feet. And the pool is getting bigger and bigger, turning into a lake all around us. Allow anything in there that is not of the light to become one with the light. Or you can send it back to where it came from. Watch any darkness disperse, the white light become pure and bright and sparkly, and you are standing in the center. Right. We are now going to take our imaginary bazookas out and aim them for any blackness, any black cloud that you may have above your head. And fire this bazooka at that black cloud. Don't worry if you don't have one, but if you do, fire the bazooka. And watch it disperse. Watch the black cloud disperse. Watch it splinter into fragments. And it leaves room for other things to happen. So now we're going to start to peel ourselves of negative stuff, like peeling a grape, one layer at a time. So let's start with despair, peel this layer off and expand into the extra room that this allows. How about hopelessness? Let's peel that off like a grape. And feel the room that that allows. Defeat, a wish to give up. Peel yourself like a grape. Stress, a word which is very overused, but let's use it and peel ourselves like a grape. And take in a deep breath. Disconnection, removing the grape peel and consciously alerting ourselves to connect. Lethargy, can't be bothered. Let's remove that. Hatred of your partner, perhaps of yourself, maybe of your in-laws, does you no good. It keeps you chained. Let's peel ourselves like a grape. And now for the future, fear, fear what life's going to bring us, fear of the future. Peel it off. And take a deep breath and allow yourself to feel the extra space that removing all these things has allowed you. And I'd like to download for you that this, that I am valid as a single person. I am valid. 
And let me also remove from each one of you at this point, I am not valid unless I'm married. Right. Let's do a few more. Let's remove the anger from us, peeling us like a grape. And the defensiveness that we guard ourselves with, let's peel it off. How's anyone going to know the real you if you're defensive? And what we often use to replace love is aggression, which is often caused by fear. So let's remove that. And powerlessness, powerlessness in the face of such strong forces. Let us peel that off and download for us, each one of us, power. And now I would like to attract some of the good things to us and breathe them in into the extra space that we've created. So let's start with happiness. Downloading through every cell of your body and every aspect of your being, happiness. Take a breath, see how that feels. Lightheartedness, joyousness. Let's leave ourselves open to that, breathe it in. Well-being and contentment. Breathe it in. It's all all right. Compassion. Compassion for yourself and everyone else. Downloading it, breathe it in. And also detachment, which will allow the universe to bring good to you. Breathe in detachment. Breathe it in. Feel yourself expanding and softening. Let's also breathe in a sense of humour. It's amazing what a, a laugh can do, isn't it? How it can dispel unhappiness. Financial security. Let's all wish ourselves financial security. Breathe it in. Attract it to yourself. And the ability to relax. Breathe it in. And last but not least, wonderful health and feel the energy of the life force flowing within you. Now we're going to reconnect or strengthen our connections to our higher beings. So let's take up an energy from the heart and let that energy direct itself up through the throat, through the third eye and through the top chakra at the top of your head and let it travel off to the creator who receives it and responds, sending it back through your top chakra, down through all your chakras, a loving, welcoming, protective energy, down through all the chakras and back up to the heart. Then we reconnect with the Archangel Michael, which is the Archangel of Change, and we take an energy from our heart chakra up through the top of our heads to the Archangel Michael and ask the Archangel Michael to guide us through all this change. And downloading Archangel Michael's energy all the way down through all our chakras to the base chakra and back up to the heart again. And now I'd like to reconnect each one of us to the soul the soul without which none of us would be here. 
and take the energy from your heart right the way up through your top chakra to your soul and a loving, warm, welcoming and regenerating response from your soul right the way back down through all your chakras, the base chakra back up to the heart. And now let us put a protection around all these energies and connections. And repeat to yourself, I reclaim my power. Three times, I reclaim my power. I reclaim my power. Thank you. And on that note, in the war of divorce and on the battlefield of family separation, Let's make sure we use peace as our weapon of choice.